Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 13. Uh, This is a message that, I don't know, I've preached it before probably three or four years ago, but as we were going through the book of James, this kept stirring in me that we needed to expand a little bit. We talked about it in James chapter 1, but that is, don't take the bait, talking about Temptation. Let's read those first 13 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, For they drank that of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by servants. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all of these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will always make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I titled this message, Don't Take the Bait, and found this cool little um, background with these three little guys. Don't they look yummy? Maybe if you're a fish. But in temptation, the enemy always puts out bait to catch us. Jerry Falwell said that temptation falls into two categories. First is the desire to do wrong things, such as getting drunk, committing adultery, stealing, those types of things. 
And the second is the temptation not to do the right things, like going to church, tithing, winning souls, those types of things. As I was studying this, uh, there's a blog that I read from time to time by Wayne Stiles. And he gave, the title of this blog was Two Life Lessons from Fishing Lures. And he took his family fishing, and um, they had gone out all day and had their hooks, their little minnows and everything, and they fished all day, and they caught nothing. As, there was, as they were coming in and getting out of the boat, there was an old man sitting on the pier with the fishing lure, and he was just pulling the fish in. Every time he would cast, he'd pull a fish in, and he'd cast. They'd been out all day, and had caught nothing. So he went over to the old guy, and he said, Hey, we didn't catch anything. Every cast, you're catching something. What's wrong? He said, Well, let me see your bait. And so they showed him the bait they were using, and the old guy said, here's your problem. There's not a fish in this lake that'll eat that. See, he was catching the fish because he knew the bait that was needed. And one of the things this guy said in his uh, devotion, go to that next slide, is there's different bait for different fish. Did I not put that in there? Okay, no problem. Different bait for different fish. And then the other thing you can see is the bait hides the hook. Satan's going to do whatever bait catches your attention. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he's not dumb enough to show you that there's a hook inside of that bait. And if you take it, he is going to get you. And the other thing this guy said in his blog is taking the bait is a quick satisfaction, but it has long-term regrets. Let me ask, any of you ever fished? How many of you only do catch and release? Okay. How many of you like to eat the fish you catch? Yes. So that fish has a short-term gratification. I'm going to get a free meal here that's just sitting here waiting for me. But when he takes that bait, it's going to have long-term regret. There are some ways that people try to deal with temptation. The first way is many people just give in to it. Can I be honest with you? A lot of times I fall into that category. Just give in to it. I love ice cream. I like eating ice cream in serving bowl size. Anybody, anybody relate? <laughs> you know, those, you know, you buy it by the gallon for a reason. That's two servings. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Come on. I'm preaching now. No. <laughs> but I know that I don't need it. 
But it's just sitting there, and every time I open the freezer, there it is, right on the shelf about eye level. And it keeps calling my name every time I open the refrigerator or the freezer. Now, I know I'm not supposed to give in to it. But every now and then I rationalize if I just eat it and then throw the container away, it won't tempt me anymore. Y'all are all looking at me like none of you ever do anything like this. How long does that cake sit on the counter and nobody touch it? I'm stepping on toes now. I think I need to move on. Other people spend all of their time fighting the temptation in their own strength. There's Alcoholic Anonymous meetings and drug addict help groups and Weight Watchers groups and all of these groups that we have where people are trying to deal with temptation in their own strength. Sometimes. Now, I'm not saying that those things are wrong. We need them, but we also need to rely on the power of God to help us overcome temptation. Because according to this scripture that we read, there are some answers to some lies that we tell ourselves about temptation. One of these lies is, I am the only one who has gone through this. Sometimes as pastors, we hear this in counseling, but pastor, you don't understand. No one's ever gone through what I'm going through. Nobody understands me, but in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to men. This isn't new with you. The enemy has been tempting people for a long time. It started way back in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, and he's had a lot of practice, and he's good at it. But he hasn't come up with a lot of new ways. He may have new packaging, but the temptations are the same. Basically, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The second lie we tell ourselves is, I'm not strong enough to resist. But in verse 13, it says, But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. If God allows the temptation to come, God has enough confidence in you that you can overcome that temptation or he would not allow it in your life. I've used this illustration many times, even here, I think just a couple of weeks ago. I love giving exams. In the Bible school class, one of my favorite things to do is to give exams because I feel like the exam doesn't tell me how much the student has learned. It tells me how much I've taught or how well I've taught. Because if I'm a good teacher, and I have taught my students properly, then they should be able to take the exam. 
Jesus is the same way. When, when he allows us to go through a testing, a trial or a temptation, he knows that every one of us are able to overcome that temptation or he would not have allowed it to come. And then the third lie is my only way out is to give in to the temptation. But verse 13 says, With every temptation, God also will make a way of escape that you may be able to handle it. I've got good news for you. God is confident enough in your walk with him that if he allows a temptation to come, he knows you can handle it, and he has given you a way of escape. Excuse me. It's a bit warm in here. <laughs> Let me give you some facts about temptation, and this comes from the first chapter of James that we studied, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks ago. We don't like to hear this, but temptation is inevitable. James 1, 2 says, My brothers, count it all joy when you file, fall into various trials or temptations. He doesn't say, count it all joy if you fall into trials or temptations. Count it all joy when. Let me ask you. How many of you get excited when trials and temptations come your way? When life falls apart, do you get excited? James is saying, count it all joy. Peter says, rejoice when fiery trials come your way. Why? I mentioned it a minute ago. We can rejoice because God is so confident in our walk with him and he's so confident in our faith that he allows this to come to prove to us that our faith is solid so you can get excited kids I know you guys are about ready to take some exams do you get excited for exams yeah, amen. Why? Because it means school's almost out. <laughs> See, when trials come our way, get excited because it's Jesus has faith in you. And then trials are to be endured. Temptation is to be endured. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Endure it. I pray for Dell and his family a lot, but I'm very proud of them because they have endured a lot in the last year and a half, two years, three years if you go back a little further. But their faith is strong. Amen? They have endured. Number three, temptation is never sent by God. It is allowed by God, but it is not sent by God. James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, 
I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. It's the enemy of your soul that brings the temptation. God allows them because he knows you can overcome. And then last, it is individual. Probably one of the most hated scriptures in the Bible is James 1.14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. And he is enticed. See, God doesn't tempt us. But each one of us is tempted because of the things that we want. I've had people in counseling tell me, Oh, Pastor, I just fell into sin. No, you didn't. You thought about it. You tried to figure out how can I get away with it. And then you did it. And we can blame Satan, but he's not even blamed here. It says we are tempted when we're drawn away of our own desires. Let's go back to the freezer illustration with the ice cream. I never heard an audible voice from Satan going, You need to eat that ice cream. No. I was drawn away because I wanted it. I like ice cream, okay? It was my desire. Satan didn't grab my hand and shove it in the refrigerator and grab the ice cream and lead me to the cabinet and get the bowl out and scoop it in. And he definitely didn't make me put my spoon in the ice cream and put it to my mouth. I did that from my own desire. You understand what I'm saying? We need to make sure that we don't blame the enemy for things he didn't do and we don't blame God for things he didn't do. That's kind of the bad news. Let me give you the good news of this. How do you overcome temptation? Number one is you flee from it. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says, therefore, my brethren, flee from idolatry. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. And then 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee youthful lust. And you say, oh, but pastor, doesn't the Bible say resist the devil and he will flee? It does, twice. In James 4, 7, and in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, it says that if we will resist the devil, he will flee from us. But four times we are told that we are to flee from temptation. You've been looking at the new iPhone 7S or the Galaxy 8S or maybe you're waiting for the new iPhone 8 to come out. 
and you know you really can't afford it, and the phone you bought three months ago is working great, and it'll probably work for another three or four years, but you just want it. And you just got paid. And you just come from the bank and you've got a pocket full of cash. And you're going into Lulu's to buy groceries for the month and you walk by the eye candy section. You know what I'm talking about? And it's on sale. Dell, think how much money I could save if I buy it now and I've got the money in my pocket. The best thing you can do, turn around and run the other way. Guys, when you go to the beach, you don't have to worry about it as much here as in other places in the world. You don't buy those wraparound sunglasses to where you can look from there to there without moving your head. I'm not, we've got to mix some young guys in here, so I'm not gonna elaborate on that, but you know what I'm talking about. The best thing you can do is just flee from it, okay? Flee from temptation. The next thing is submit your thoughts to God. James 4, 7, submit to God. And you know this next scripture, Philippians 4.8, what do we think on? Things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, and if it's praiseworthy, think on these things. We need to give our thoughts to God. 1 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, for the weapons or 2 Corinthians, excuse me. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. We need to make sure that we are thinking on the proper things, not dwelling on things that are ungodly. The scripture says, beware of what you set before your eyes. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above and not on the things of this earth. And then in 2 Chronicles, I've been reading this past couple of weeks through Chronicles. And in 2 Chronicles, there's a very interesting statement about King Rehoboam, he was the son of Solomon and he began as a good king and then he turned very evil. And 2 Chronicles 12, 14 says this, and he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Just like many people today, Rehoboam was not prepared for what would inevitably come his way. See, when Satan throws temptation at us, that's not the time to get in the Word and start finding a promise. We need to have it inside.
Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth will speak. What's inside will come out when things get going hard. If we wait until the last moment to find out what God's word says about a certain situation, we've already lost the fight. I used to play some on sports teams. We never just went and played a game. There was always practice, preparation. We knew the plays. We knew the game plan. We knew what we were going to do before we ever got into the situation. In the military, you didn't just go out and fight anywhere you wanted to. There was a plan. There was an action. And you followed the orders of the plan, even if you didn't know the whole picture. So we need to make sure that we are thinking properly, thinking on the Word of God, putting this in our heart, so that when we are tempted, we have the way of escape. Jesus was tempted three times in the wilderness. What was his way of escape on all three of them? How did he resist? It is written. He didn't say, I think it's in there somewhere. He said, it is written, and he quoted scripture. I was really touched by the little video clip that Dell did last week the lady that was given the Bible and she gave it to someone else because she had memorized the Bible how did she memorize it she memorized it in prison from little scraps of paper that people had sent her I've heard testimony of other Chinese pastors that have been in prison and they said the scripture that they had memorized before they went to prison, that was what kept them through the years of the torture and the things that they went through in prison. So let me challenge you today. Have you memorized enough scripture to get you through the rest of today? Much less the next year or five years or ten years if you were to go to prison for your faith. Submit your mind, your thoughts to God. And then submit your body to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, for by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 13, it says, Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. But God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. We are to submit these bodies to God. Because he says other places that when we um, do things that are against his will, then it's like we are in spiritual adultery. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And then Romans 6.13, 
Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In other words, what he's saying here is in our bodies, we should be praising Jesus all the day long. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And we, because Jesus is ours and we belong to him, we should be able to glorify him all day long in our bodies by what we do, by what we say. And I just want to challenge you to think about how do you glorify God by your actions and by your words every day at work? Or is it only a Friday thing? Just asking. And then the next thing is remind yourself of the result of sin. There are results. There are consequences of sin. Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he reap. If you want people to be friends, sow friendship. Because the way you treat people is the way people will treat you. The golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But many times we quote it in our minds this way. Do unto others before they have a chance to do it to me. When we lived in Haiti, um, we found out that there, if someone is doing better in business than they are, rather than that challenging them to learn and to do better, they simply go to the witch doctor, put a curse on that person so his business does worse than their business so they look better. In other words, rather than them trying to improve, their desire was to make others look worse. The results of sin. James 1, 14 to 15, we read that we're drawn away by our own desires. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, In our members there is a slumbering inclination towards desire which is both sudden and fierce. Listen to this statement. Satan does not fill us with the hatred of God. He simply fills us with a forgetfulness of God. Think about that. See, he doesn't have to ha get us to hate God just to forget that God is our blessed assurance and to forget what he has done for us. And that leads me to my last point. Cultivate a sense of the presence of God. 
Cultivate a sense of the presence of God. Psalm 1611, and you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand is pleasures evermore. I can guarantee you, if you are always aware that we are constantly in the presence of God, because Jesus promised that he would never leave us or forsake us, then the things that we are tempted to do, we would not do them as readily if we knew Jesus was with us. Amen? But I've got news for you. He is with us. He's inside of us. Amen? Go to the next slide, please. Oh, confess your struggles. Dealt, dealt with that last week, so I'm not going to go into it. But we do need to find time and people that we trust, that we can confess to when we are having trouble. Some final thoughts for today. What temptation are you fighting today? What are some of the struggles that you have today and then what would you do differently if you knew Jesus was looking over your shoulder as I just talked about but let me tell you Jesus isn't necessarily looking over your shoulder it's more like he's looking through your eyes because he lives inside of us don't take the bait Go to that next slide. He thought that looked really yummy. He thought that looked really good. So please, don't take the bait. Next slide. You may not like the outcome. I think that speaks for itself. You take the bait, <laughs> you may become somebody's lunch, so to speak. Every one of us is tempted. Parents, sometimes you're tempted to get angry at your kids or say something you shouldn't. I know all of our kids are grown and out of the house, and my wife and I both have had to apologize to them. For some things that we've said. I mean, even preparing this message, I had to repent of some things that I've done in the past out of just because I wanted to do it. Kids, sometimes you're tempted not to do what your mom and dad tell you, but Jesus can give you the grace to do it. So don't take the bait. You may not like the outcome. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to um, open it up. If you want prayer, Dell and I will be up here and can pray for you, and then we'll end the service. Father, we come to you, and we thank you that your word is alive and powerful. Your word is ever true, and your word will never return to you void, but it will always accomplish 
what you sent it to accomplish. And Father, I ask right now that you would touch our hearts. And Father, help us to understand that the things that we are going through, it's, we're not alone. That Jesus is with us. Father, I think of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of a storm and they were afraid, but Jesus saw them and he came and he stilled the storms of life. Father, I just thank you for everyone in here today. That Father, you will give them that assurance that they know, that they know, that they know deep down in their spirit that you will never allow any trial or any temptation to come their way but what you have already prepared them for. And you have confidence that they can overcome the trial or the temptation or you would not allow it to come. And Father, help us to always look for that way out, that way that we can flee from those temptations so that we do not do anything in this body that is displeasing to you. Father, we thank you for your word because your word is what keeps our minds stayed on you. Father, I thank you that we are in your presence 24-7 because Jesus is with us in every situation and all the time. Father, help us to always remember that what we do, we do in your sight. Father, we welcome your presence in our daily activity. Father, we welcome your presence to be with us on the job site Father, we welcome your presence to be with us in those difficult meetings. And we welcome your presence to be with us in those hard decisions that we have to make. And Father, when we deal with those people that maybe we really don't like, we thank you that your presence is with us. That we can do things according to your will and your word to bring glory to you. Father, even when sometimes it's hard and maybe it's not comfortable for us. But Father, we want to do what you have called us to do and to function according to your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand? And we're going to dismiss the service and Dell and I'll be up here if anybody needs um, prayer. Just come up and find one of us and we will pray with you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. And may your peace that passes all understanding rule and reign in our hearts. And may you go in peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.